G'day, this is Scott. And this is Marty. Welcome to this episode of Church Unchained. Welcome to Church Unchained. This week we're joined by Rachel Watson from Wesley Mission, Queensland. Our conversation ranges widely around issues relating to homelessness, tiny house movement, generational disadvantage, the numbers of families and young people that are homeless today, and some simple things that you and I can do to help address this challenge. Let's set some ideas free. So I'm Rachel Watson um, from Wesley Mission. I have a role there as a manager of innovation and new business, which covers a variety of areas of disadvantage and opportunity for Wesley Mission. How long have you been in that role, Rachel? I mean, that's a fantastic title, yes. Innovation and New Business. Yeah, it is. Um, look, it's a new role, and I've been in it since November last okay. year, so not very long. Um, but certainly there's a desire by the organisation to think about how we think do things differently. And, you know, I don't know whose quote it is, but, you know, what got us to where we are isn't going to get to where we want to be. And I think that's the role of innovation and to... Um, you know, to just look at things with a different lens and look at possibly, you know, that changing a sequence of how we do things. Yeah, mm. I think I think Einstein. Has he said that? I, I like to attribute that. To okay, him. well, it's good for me to know that it's yeah. Einstein. It I can say Einstein now. It makes it sound Something very clever. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're chatting a little bit today about um, homelessness in particular. Mm-hmm. Maybe a good place to start is is to kind of draw a little bit of a picture for us of what homelessness looks like in Queensland. I mean, what. What sort of size of a, of a challenge here are we talking about um, before we get into thinking about ideas and responses? Yeah. Look, it's really um, useful to keep in mind that Queensland has the highest rate of homelessness per population of any other state, um, okay. even though our numbers aren't that high, but per yeah, population. Yeah. So nearly 20,000 okay. people are homeless in Queensland. Obviously, um, you know, a fair proportion of them are Indigenous. Yeah. And um, the, the stereotypical... Um, vision that we have of a homeless person of a single man sitting on a park bench with a bottle yeah, in a yeah. brown paper bag yeah. is absolutely not um, the image of homelessness now. More and more it's family homelessness and I think um, particularly in the last 10 years with rents increasing it's family homelessness. So uh, one of our services in Logan Ben Lee has give, told us anecdotally that they have families who because um, they only get to sign six-month leases on their housing um, and the rent's going up, they have moved three times in two years and they've bought three different sets of school uniforms. So anyone who's a parent knows that school uniforms are incredibly expensive and the bag and all of that. And you think the impact on those children just because... um, housing stability isn't available. Um, So people through perhaps one incident end up homelessness. So it might be about um, they've had to move and then the car breaks down. So what do you do? You need the car to get to work, so perhaps you won't pay rent this week and then all of a sudden one incident creates creates homelessness. So it's a really kind of complex and layered sort of an issue then, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, if we think about the children in that kind of mm. story of being moved from school to school to mm. school there's social disconnection and isolation from their peers and then there's maybe learning challenges that yeah. come from kind of having to restart over yeah absolutely and and I think it's really useful for us to think about you know if I had to move 
um, three times in two years. Yeah. What are the things that I would lose? You know, I've been where I live for a number of years in the same community for 10 years. You know, I know the person at 7-Eleven because I get my coffee there every day. You know, I know yeah. um, the bus route. I, I know where the parks are. I, I know that people say hello to each other. Mm. And they're things that are intangible, but they actually connect us into the community yeah. and make us feel safe and yeah. create vibrancy. So for people that are constantly um, uprooting their lives and moving on, they never kind of, they're kind of almost out of their grasp. And it contributes then that disconnection um, that people have that, you know, that we really value. Hmm. Geographically, you know, is there a concentration in southeast Queensland? Is, is it an issue in... You know, regional centres or you know, how look. It's obviously more. Oh, yeah, it's it's more obvious in Brisbane. You see homeless people in the parks. There's yeah. a concentration of services. Um, you know, you build it, they will come. So in the inner city of Brisbane, within a kilometre of the CBD, there is about five homeless hostels with yeah. probably a combined three hundred beds. Yeah. So logic would say, well, people will come to the city. Yeah, yeah. But that's predominantly for single people. Yeah. It's family homelessness that we don't see. We don't yeah. see families wandering the streets looking yeah, for somewhere yeah. to sleep. Yeah. You know, um, parents generally care deeply for their children's safety. They'll do everything they can to stay with people, to, you know, work out some way to keep their family safe. But in regional areas, you know, um, Bundaberg has approximately 200 homeless people on yeah. any given night. Rockhampton has about 300. Roma has about 50. These aren't big numbers, but no, they're... No, that's right. And yeah. so, um, you know, that's 50, 200, whatever number of people who are just um, not feeling a sense of citizenship and connection in that community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's not because there's not housing. Yeah. You know, it's, it, particularly in regional areas, housing is relatively um, affordable. It's something else that's going on, you know. It's about how people perhaps connect with the service system, how people seek help, and, and is the help that they need available. Um, generational disadvantage, um, you know, where it's not uncommon in, a, in the homelessness service system to be seeing third, fourth generation unemployed. Yeah. Um, so you think it's almost then scratched into someone's DNA around, you know, um, poverty. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, four generations of no income outside um, a base um, Centrelink payment. You never, it's going to be quite difficult to yeah. get ahead. Yeah. So mm. how, do we, how do we help break that cycle? We have to think about the problem differently. We have to think about, um, I mean, housing is part of the solution. Um, of course it is. I mean, someone doesn't have a house, they need a house. You know, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's kind of basic. Um, but it's about how we think about the support for people. So there's some amazing models throughout the world, and one of them that is particularly effective is Housing First, which is from New York. I mean, New York's real estate is expensive. But um, Dr. Sam Saberis, who has developed this model, says you will always be able to find a rental property. And the, the, the issue is that there, there needs to be some subsidy between what the person's income is and what the rent is and, and a subsidy to pay the difference so that's affordable for them. Yeah. And if you can do that and then plug in all the supports around the person and the classic um, challenge in homelessness and in mental health is um, that clients don't necessarily want to engage. You know, they've probably had some really bad experiences and they don't want to engage. And his thinking is, well, then we, as workers, need to change. You know, so saying a client doesn't want to engage is not a good enough reason not to do something. Yeah. That therefore we're not doing what they need 
and maybe you know so so it's about us reflecting then about our profession about how we engage with people and it's got to be useful and meaningful and respectful i'm not saying we don't do that but it's one thing to think that's one of the things we can think about i think also um we do need to be as you know this the social service system does need to be a bit more entrepreneurial about how we take advantage of opportunities so um, certainly something that we're thinking about is Probably in about 12 to 18 months' time, there is going to be a total glut of apartments on the market. Yeah, we hear that in yep, the news every right. day. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We can so, look out the window here and see that's right. high rises going we're, up all We're seeing more cranes building yeah, more. Yeah. So, you know, um, housing's a problem, affordability's a problem, and we're going to have a whole pile of empty apartments. Surely there's something we can do there that doesn't affect someone's negative gearing, but to say, well, you're going to be getting nothing on these apartments. Would you like to... 50% of the rent and be able to move people into those properties and it solves a problem you know and it's a private sector then committing in and I think if we get the broad community understanding of homelessness and it's it's really easy for people to fall into a blame mm-hmm. oh look at that person they're drunk look at that person oh they've spent all that look at all the tattoos they've got all over them if they hadn't spent their money on tattoos they'd be able to pay their rent all those kind of judgments that yeah, come yeah. with it and um you know it's kind of like well no one would choose not to have a home mm. no one would choose that so we just need to yeah change i guess people's thinking to be looking at private sector solutions but also then to to be trying different models and i think to be thinking about we've got to try things and it may not work but you learn a lot when things don't work so then we adapt and try something else yeah. that, that suggestion around utilizing the supply of apartments that might you know become yeah. available what's the practicalities of that How, i mean do we need to set up a, a particular agency to yeah come well certainly a not-for-profit real estate would um yeah. or a for, you know for purpose real estate would assist in doing that and that's something that um, wesley is thinking about and progressing and we think that it would have multiple benefits because it makes money I mean, real estate agents make money. So, sure. you know, what we want is to be able to have a fund that can build houses. Well, how do we get that fund? Well, a vehicle of a not-for-profit real estate is perfect. Um, but also, it then helps us to engage with our 2,500 staff who probably have investment properties for um, members of congregations who perhaps, you know, want to do something really useful and tangible and and maybe it's about utilising their housing resources that they have. Um, For the the church itself, who does own a number of rental properties. Absolutely, absolutely. And and so I think, um, so the not-for-profit real estate kind of has three outcomes. One, it creates some an innovative housing fund from the profit. The second bit is that um, it utilises the resources we have and that would be the, the, I guess, the part of the real estate which would just be like Ray Wyatt or any other real estate. It would be, there's nothing social about it. It's just pure transaction. But I think there is an appeal to many people who want to do good things. So, you know, Joe who works for an IT company should he rent through Ray White or could he rent through Wesley Not-for-Profit Real Estate? Well, I feel a bit warm and gooey if I rent through Wesley and then I don't actually do anything more. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> we'll take that, you know. So then there's also what we would hope and, and the research from other jurisdictions where not-for-profit real estates have run is that 
you then get um, kind, caring people who are wealthy who approach and say, you know what, I've got this lazy asset, I don't need any income on this house, but I want you to use it for women escaping to domestic violence. So then all of a sudden you have part of your portfolio which is absolutely kind of yeah. down in the dirt, really addressing social issues where you can plug in support around people. So the three components um, then actually create quite a significant impact. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea of how many of those types of people mm. or houses might be available? Yeah, so um, Melbourne has a ver has, have been running a not-for-profit real estate for about two and a half years. Their total uh, rent roll is about 360 of them. 60 of those properties are people who have just come and said, heard it on the news, I don't need any income on this house, wow. you can use it. So, you know, like it yeah, just yeah. kind of makes you think, oh, people have full hearts and we've yeah. got to make the most of the full hearts of people. So we put someone in a house. Yep. I mean, that then takes us back to our earlier conversation, doesn't it? About it's not just about a place. To That's start. right. I mean, that is obviously a first step. Yeah. But So how do we wrap some other um, kind of things around that? Uh, to make yeah. sure they're not, you know, then moving house every six months to another affordable that's unit. That's right, or, that's right. Uh, so, I mean, it's about then how we work collaboratively within the service system. So, you know, for example, Wesley can't provide support to every person. Mm. No one organisation can. Yeah. But through partnerships, through um, trusted relationships with other service providers, and um, we're able to do it. So, um, you know, like if we were able to target particular like geographical locations, so let's say the inner city and valley, there's a number of service providers in that area and if we're able to say, look, we can secure the housing, agency A, are you able to kind of just pop in and see them once a week and agency B, can you just make sure that, you know, the kids are linked in with school and then, you know, collectively we've, we've got a solution. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's about us all kind of not needing to claim the prize either, you know, yeah. that it's, we're all we're just the pieces together. in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're all just the cogs. And part of being community. Yeah. Um, if we think for a minute about, you know, congregations or people in congregations, apart from offering their own uh, properties perhaps to be a part of a pool yeah. that we've talked about, what what are some other ways that, that people in congregations can be engaged in, in this question of homelessness. I mean, a couple of examples that come to mind for me, you know, one of our congregations I've heard of that the building is three feet off the ground and they, you know, made sure to leave a little gap so there's a safe place that people can get in and sleep there at night and mm. the bathrooms are left unlocked. And, mm. You know, that, I mean, that's not addressing homelessness, but it's no. at least creating a safe place. Uh. You know, others that have been involved in crash beds kind of programs, yes. some of that. I mean, you know, are those things valuable? Or are there other ways that people in congregations or, or congregations themselves can can be a part of you know what what we're talking about here? Certainly, mobilising mobilising people to care um, is a great first step. And the crash beds project I was involved with that many years ago, and it was for me. That's still running. No, it's not. Okay. But it touched me because the, the church is mobilised hundreds of volunteers to sleep on a mattress on the floor in a church hall on a cold winter's night. I couldn't believe it, you know, and that's was the beauty of that. It was about, you know, the homeless women were sleeping on a mattress on the floor and so were the volunteers. And it was that, you know, together we, you know, uh, caring for one another. Did it solve homelessness? No, it didn't solve homelessness. No. But did it keep women safe at night? Absolutely. And 
the service I worked in, we were a support service. So every the next morning, we would come and chat with the women and say, well, "What do we need to do?" And you know, do you need just a few more days here? You know, on crash beds, and we'll get your birth certificate and get you into some housing. So that's certainly um, you know really effective. I think thinking about what resources each congregation has and their human resources and skills and each community can do it really differently and for some people it might be awareness raising you know it's homelessness week this week yeah. you know congregations might want to just you know put it in their newsletter yeah. um, think about um, the people in their community who maybe aren't homeless but they can see could be on the verge of homelessness yeah. certainly of course you know blankets and those practical things are always um, welcome um, but the the big issue which is an amazing um, initiative for homeless people to kind of you know get themselves together and um, you know talk to many big issue sellers and they said you know the thing that hurts them the most is people see that they're invisible I don't yeah. even say hello so actually just saying good day say hello you know issue. exactly yeah, yeah yeah just say hello just hey how are you I don't know I don't want to buy but hello yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that you know it's that connection which congregations do really well you know they know their community and and just um, a simple hello to someone who looks like you know, they could not perhaps be travelling so well um, can be the difference. And look, you know, that person may not be mentally going so well and might yell at them, but that doesn't mean you stop doing it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Great. Is there anything else that you want to throw into our, um, our conversation today? Mm. Um, Feel free to be a little dangerous, you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, they're... <laughs> <laughs> now we get yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the congregations do have incredible um, infrastructure resources. And are they, you know, like, is it an opportunity for us to look at them and really think about how they can be used quite differently? And um, is it a big block of land that's not been used for anything? Could, would a congregation want to start a tiny house movement? Would we want to look at, which is, you know, intentional living for older women, for example. Older women are the most at-risk people of homelessness um, and are going to be increasingly so. Yeah, so I mean, that's something that certainly pops into my head. It's like, I know there's lots of land lying around there. So build something that's not hard, hard infrastructure because tiny houses are movable, essentially. Um, where does that come from, that tiny house thing? I mean, it's, uh, it's, you know, I think it's, it's TV American. shows about it. Yeah, and, no, it's American. And they kind of look cool and make they you look think really maybe cool. I want to live in a tiny house. Yeah. I stayed in one recently. Really? It's amazing. Yeah, and um, I just think particularly for older women, if you had a number of tiny houses, so one might have the lemon tree, one might have the herbs, mm. you know, but they all have decided they want to live there and that they kind of share that. I think churches can and congregations can certainly think about if they do want to do something, co-design it. Yeah. So, oh, we want to help young people. Well, get young people in mm-hmm. and ask them, well, what do you yeah. really want? Because sometimes, you know, we create it's things that people don't want. What we think they want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and that's a really hard journey because sometimes people tell you things that you don't, can't, don't think you can do or you don't want to hear. But, um, you know, um, ask the question and you get surprised by the answer, I think. And co-design is... a process that um, actually creates sustainability because that's what we want too we don't want to be kind of going pop here's an idea here oh yeah that doesn't last very long pop <laughs> is another one we want something to be a bit sustainable and and Wesley's um, done that with um, our Clearbreeze apartments which is 14 units of accommodation co-designed with people with a mental illness okay. and they're beautiful 
and the people who are living there are paying a lot more rent than they were in public housing um, or in you know boarding houses or wherever they were living but when I've talked to them they say well of course I'll pay more because this is what I want yeah. and it's I know I can be here forever yeah this, yeah these are yeah. It's my tribe kind of stuff and I can be here forever so if I'm in a congregation and and here, here I am thinking okay this you know tiny house community, elder women, elderly women. Can I talk with Wesley Mission Queensland about that? Absolutely. You know, do we need to do this on our own? Is, that, you know, is Wesley Mission Queensland open to these kinds of partnerships and conversations? Absolutely. Anything. People can do it by themselves, but if they want to kind of talk it through and think about what are our first steps and how do we test if it's actually going to work, yeah. we'd be love to work with You guys with have got some experience that. to kind of bring to that conversation. Well, or we make it up together. Yeah. You know, like, like it's that. also about that, isn't it? You know, like innovation is about moving fast and breaking things. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we'll just a path together and, um, you know, there's some shared learning. I'm just going to write that down for my next assignment. Innovation is about moving fast and breaking things. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's That's good, beautiful. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you think about Uber and Airbnb, yeah, yeah. those products weren't perfect when they went to market. No. But it's about just getting it there and, and you crash through as you go. Yeah, yeah. And But you've also got to be, you've got to be fixing and there'll be failure. But... Yeah. It's about getting the thing there. Great. Mm. Um, Rachel, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, today. no, thank, thank you so thank much. You. Yeah, we'll drop some links in the blurb down below about um, where people can find out about what Wesley's up to. Yes. Um, but also some links to Homelessness Australia for yes. some more information there. Uh, it has been Homelessness Week this week, or as we're recording. Uh, so I think we'll probably, as you're listening to this, might be a week or two ago. Um, but it's a great uh, thing to keep an eye out for in August each year. Um, Rachel, thanks again for Thank being you. with us uh, here at Church Up Town. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Church Unchained. We want to invite you to join the conversation with us. Why not join us on Twitter at UCAQLD or use the hashtag Church Unchained. How else can people join in, Marty? You can also jump onto the UnitingChurch.Queensland Facebook page and join the conversations there. And again, if you have any dangerous or innovative ideas that you want to share with us, email us at communications at ucaqld.com.au. And join us next time at Church Unchained.